This episode of Pots vs. Pete's was originally recorded January 24th of 2018. It was posted April 15th of 2018. This is your spoiler warning. We go into an in-depth review analysis discussion. If you haven't seen this movie, please watch it before you listen to our podcast. If you don't care about spoilers, then hey, welcome. Potabomb. And we're back with Pots versus Pigs. The Marvelous Morons. <laughs> this week we got Thor on our plate today. Thor. It's a solid the, plate of... The first movie. Solid plate of good mediocrity. Pretty much. We, do, we don't have... There's not a subtitle for this one, nope. so I can't go... It just... I can't it, say anything. It just exists. <laughs> it's, it's already... Yeah, it's, it's just... It's out there. Before we go, do you have any, like, uh, stories of when you first saw this or anything like that? Uh, nope. Nope. Uh, Did we... Were you in college by the time this came out? Yes. I just started college, oh. but since I went to college nearby, I if I didn't go see it with you guys, I would have been very surprised. So I'm sure we all saw this together. No, we didn't. I remember very oh. vividly that well, it then... was uh, me, Ethan, and Charlotte. Uh, we went to go see it at midnight. Um, in the middle of a school, you know, week, and uh, I, that was probably one of the only midnight showings. I was just like, eh, I'm not sure if it was worth going to see at midnight, especially on like a school night. Like I'm old, but the idea of going to another midnight showing again, just like I can't think of how I actually was able to do that. The idea of now staying up till midnight at the end of a movie is just like fills me with dread. Like, if I had to go to work after that, I'd just be like, there's no movie on the planet that is that good anymore. <laughs> like, it's going to make me lose sleep. You are most certainly very old. <laughs> Actually, I I haven't done that either in, yeah. in a long while. The, the midnight showings aren't really an option anymore, you know? They, they are, like, but they definitely aren't as, like, cool as they used to be. Like, it's definitely yeah. not a thing anymore that you really have to do. The new cool... Um, showings are like seven o'clock at night i guess you can call it yeah. cool nobody's there nobody's there like as a big fan like the midnight showings were like that's just like i'm excited for this let's do it yeah it's all and... the thursday night showings which i feel bad for saying because i don't want people to go to the thursday night showings because it's great that nobody goes to those just because every movie comes out on theoretically on friday but they really show it at yeah. like 7 p.m on thursday which is awesome i can go see the movie early I can, like, avoid all the spoilers, and then nobody is usually there. Like, it's never, like, tickets are sold out, unless it's, like, the new Star Wars movie, which, that was ridiculous. But other than that, yeah, that's you can pretty much get a ticket there without any problems. Yep, absolutely. There's just so many options of different theaters and all that stuff, and that's just how it is. So, okay, let's get into Thor. It's my turn this week to do the synopsis. So, Thor is a movie loosely based on the... The Norse mythology, but mostly based on the counter uh, comic book counterpart, where uh, we have a man or a god, demigod named Thor, who is being tried and tribulated by his father to uh, become a more resourceful and uh, worthy man of the of the kingdom that is Asgard. 
And after a um, uh, a group of frostbite, are they called frostbites? No, they're frost just giants. giants. Frost giants. Frost giants. Yeah, what a lame villain that'd be called. Oh, watch out for the frostbite. Hey, frostbite's a scary thing, man. People get hurt from that. Don't make fun of people oh, who get frostbite. Uh, I'm totally kidding. Okay. It's funny when that happens. <laughs> um, so after these frost giants sneak into an area and try to steal, is it the Tesseract at this point? What's that item uh, that no, everybody that's, wanted in this one? It's their magic MacGuffin. Um, I guess they built okay, so everything after they ice. try to... St- I, yeah, some kind of ice MacGuffin. So after they still try attempt to steal an uh, ice MacGuffin, uh, Thor decided that was enough incentive for him to go attack these ast- uh, uh, ice giants, uh, frost giants. And that's when uh, Odin thinks that his irresponsibility and arrogance uh, dis- is worthy for him of banishment. And he goes to Midgard and his am- hammer is thrown to Midgard. And uh, he can't reconnect with the hammer until he is worthy with it again. So he spends his time with uh, some scientists of uh, Jane and her friends uh, to, uh, I guess, learn to be a better person until he's able to carry the hammer again and eventually comes back to Asgard, saves the day from his evil brother Loki, and his father wakes up from some kind of slumber. We'll get to that when we get there. And uh, that's about it. Anything else with the synopsis um, on this one? No, not not really, no. Uh, all right, let's just get right into it. Let's go for the good. Since I just did that lengthy synopsis, you can go ahead and sure. take it from there. Um, I like this movie is not afraid to be weird. Uh, the, the Marvel movies don't, especially this very early section. Um, they get known for being really weird later. Um, but like all their movies are in space. There's a bunch of like crazy stuff that happens that really, really hits full peak with guardians of the galaxy, but it kind of starts with this movie. Um, you know, the last three, the two Iron Man movies and Krebel Hulk, while they've had their weird moments, they've been kind of grounded in reality. Um, this, this one has space Vikings, like within five minutes they we are like blasted with information of like, yep, there's Thor exists. Uh, so there's a bunch of realm with all a bunch of space Vikings, and then they're fighting a bunch of giant ice dudes, and then that's it. Like you just you're just given all this stuff that I think I know people were pretty worried about this movie at the time of like how are they gonna make it work? But you know being it realistic, and I'm so glad they just went realistic. No, we're not doing that. Like absolutely not. And they just did something crazy. So yeah, yeah. it still pulls back from a little bit at times. Like there's they try and give scientific reasonings for things happening. Like the bi- yeah. the Bifrost bridge that's really legitimately just a bridge that's magic that lets you teleport places they try and describe uh-huh. that as like i like rosenberg heisen heisenberg rosen bridge or some basically like a scientific wormhole that's theoretical <laughs> and at no point yeah. does anybody like yep that makes sense everyone just goes no it's a well it's a, here's a question for you yeah is that a comic book thing because uh stan lee uh, is kind of known for really like really loving uh, putting pseudoscience in these things. Nope. Um, nope. It was nope, straight up magic. Okay. Nope. Straight up magic. Nope. Uh, they. So they just made that up for the movie. Yes, that was made up for the movie to like try and give it a realistic purpose, and they keep and and they bash it over the head multiple times of like there is no such thing as magic. It's just advanced science that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Like we as the audience can understand that there is magic. I don't need a scientific explanation of how Thor gets uses a rainbow bridge to get to places. Just let it happen. 
So right. So it's it's still a little bit of restraint, and I think it won't be until the next movie, Captain America, where they finally just accept the fact that yeah, we can just be weird. Like it's it's we can do this, but I appreciate that weirdness in this movie. Um, sure. I like all the acting. All the actors are very good in this one. Um, they do what they can. Some yeah. are given better material than others. Uh, and then yeah, 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 for sure. Some. Some have been given meaty stuff, and some just exist, but they all try. Nobody's phoning yes. it in. Even even Anthony Hopkins as Odin is not phoning it in, which is great. Uh, we get such a good... Yeah. I kind of had forgotten in these movies how many really good veteran actors they've had in this series from the get-go. Um, so it's nice to be reminded of, like, oh, yeah, Anthony Hopkins, like, that's a pretty solid actor to grab for like this movie when disney didn't wasn't backing money into this kind of thing so absolutely yep uh see here what else uh there's a little i love loki um i will say that that's my biggest thing about this movie is i love him as a villain and he's such a fun character and it could have just been evil guy like number 342 that dies, uh, but he doesn't, I guess, spoiler alerts, he doesn't truly die, um, because he keeps coming back in the, yeah, yeah, he keeps coming back in the sequels, he's, like, the only reoccurring villain that has shown up in more than one movie, this, this series, and we'll get into this, but this series has a serious problem with, like, getting rid of its villains and never letting them come back, Loki's the, yeah, a little too early, yeah, Loki and, Loki is the only one who ever comes back, and it works, because he's, given this great dimension in this movie and then all the subsequent other ones that even some of the heroes in these other movies are lacking. They really like Loki in this movie, and it it's awesome. I My very favorite things about this movie uh, was Thor and Loki, for sure. I think they were both ex- expertly crafted as characters and worked really well. Um, for the most part, the actors like understand and get them and fully embody these two characters. Um, and I love uh, Thor's character arc in this movie, and I think that was really nice and simple and to the point with all that goody goodness. Yeah, I um, I agree. It's Yeah, they definitely treat Thor and Loki as fully fleshed characters, and it's nice because they're not afraid to make Thor, like, not a great person in the beginning. Like, I, to an extent, Iron Man was kind of, you know, a jerk. But he was, like, a charming yeah. jerk. There's nothing charming about Thor in the beginning of this movie. He's just a petulant child. Like, there is yeah, no likability exactly. at all. And it's kind of refreshing because a lot of these... I, I wouldn't go with no likability. Like, when he meets with, you know, uh, Jane, yeah, uh, Natalie Portman, like, you, you see the charm in him. Like, he, he's a... And he's char- charismatic enough to, to convince his friends to go out on this uh, fight against the Frost Giants... So, like, you you could see his charm in there, like, his goodness and, and his leadership shine. He's just not mature yet. Right. He's He is very much, even though he's, like, you know, whatever, 20-something-year-old Chris Hemsworth, that character, uh, <laughs> up until he gets banished, is a child. 100%. Yes. A spoiled child who just wants to play Cowboys and Indians and fight stuff without realizing the repercussions of his actions at all. That, I thought, w- was the best thing of this movie you were mentioning how good uh anthony hopkins was and i kind of forget anthony hopkins is in this movie um even when i'm watching the movie the slumber thing kind of gets me but we can get into that you know once we get into the bad 
the the hard thing about these good lists that I written down here, Thor and Loki, I think are unapologetically the best things about this movie through and through. They're very solid. Uh, everything else I've written down on here has like a little asterisk, you know. Yeah. It's just like I like the designs, but you know. And it's kind of hard to be like, do we want to talk about that now or talk about that in the bad? So I guess I'll just go through um, Thor and Loki, the best thing about this movie. That's really good. Like, very solid. Uh, Stan Lee's cameo and the people trying to catch, uh, try to get the hammer. Perfect. I, I love that scene. Yeah, I love that, like, little bit of the reality of, like, what would happen if all this stuff actually happened in real life it's yes. like yeah people would try to take a pick up this hammer and no one would succeed and i'm sure if it happened in new mexico a bunch of like random like you know blue collar people would be trying to pick up this hammer using their truck like it's yeah that's totally a fun right fun moment yeah that's such a great scene the fight with destroyer was well done i think they integrated the cg with the practical effects really well um I was actually kind of surprised when I was watching it how much I kind of believed that Destroyer kind of flipped that car over. And then the last thing is, like, like almost kind of a backhanded compliment. Uh, I appreciate the attempt of the epicness. Uh, this is a great, big, grand story. And as you were saying earlier, it's not afraid to be weird. It's not afraid to be over the top. And I think that Kenneth Branagh uh, Shakespeare uh, vibe is like a perfect fit with this material that he's going off and being these big huge characters of epic proportions and you play those characters hearts out you know you go all the way with it and they attempted that and i very much appreciate and respect this movie for doing that yeah it's they from my saying from the beginning too like you know when they go they go hard into the weird and you know, like I said, within five minutes, we are getting that there is a magical bri rainbow bridge that sends people places. Space gods are real, and so are giant ice people, and they've been having a war with each other, and, like, they're all dressed in, like, these shiny, not even slightly realistic costumes. Like, for the most part, besides Iron Man, comic book movies before this had pretty down-to-earth costumes, except for maybe, like, Spider-Man. Like, all the X-Men were wearing black yeah. leather before this. Like, so to have these people right. in, like all gold and the first time we see thor in his costumes he even got like the wing ceremonial wing hat thing that like from the comics like they 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 really go hard in the epic and it's so much better than if they tried to restrain themselves because if they did that i don't think thor would have worked out even close to as good as it does and continued onwards they would have just kind of i agree like ruined crippled that character too much so yes i'm glad they went to the epic i agree i am gonna downplay it a little bit that i think uh superman was very much the first to be unapologetic and he's wearing his costume no matter how goofy a strongman suit looks Tou that is the costume touche and we're doing it yeah I was, <laughs> that is the costume we're doing it that's, i kind of i kind of, honestly kind of forgot about that one i never really watched it when i was a kid and like to me like oh, there really? was like no um i didn't watch it till like a year or so ago actually um i is there anything else with the good you wanted to go for? Um, I and so Iron Man two, I blasted Shield for not having a purpose in that movie uh, because they don't. Oh yeah, but this one, it makes a lot more sense. It's a lot more organically woven into it. Of like, yeah, if a giant sword, like hammer came out of the sky and like you know the people like you know there was like a whole bevy of people that couldn't pull it out of the ground for some legitimate reason, the government's gonna come by and like check that out. Like it's it's not a regular satellite. 
it makes sense. They totally. show up, and it makes sense that they'd like try and like lock it down, and that Thor had to go through the government to get it. Um, the tensions between uh, the Shield and Thor are resolved like instantaneously, which is almost kind of like comically funny. At one point, yeah, Thor like so the, guy, the Shield had basically stolen uh, Natalie Portman, uh, Thor's love interest, and also one of the scientists helping him out. Uh, stolen all of her stuff, and like the Shield people essentially beat him up and were keeping him hostage to try and figure out where he was. And then he was kind of let go off of really odd circumstances. Uh, and, yeah. But then when he gets his costume and comes back, you know, saves the day, he just comes by and says, oh, yeah, don't worry, we're good. And the Shield's like, oh, great, we weren't... <laughs> the Shield's like, oh, great, we weren't being bad guys anyways. We'll totally give back all the re- like all the equipment we stole. Like, <laughs> like they were just borrowing it for five minutes and they were totally going to give it back, which they weren't. Yeah. They, 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 that was never going to happen. So it was just like this odd moment right. of like, these guys are the bad guys, but no, don't worry. They're suddenly cool, but it's nice to have them have a purpose, especially when the last movie was so poorly, shamelessly forcing them into the movie. And these movies mm-hmm. would get a lot better with the connective tissue of what makes a universe work um, to the point where sometimes yeah. it will completely ignore it, which is fine by me. But this is one of the better um, moldings that happens, especially in this beginning part. It's nice to see one of these like moments that happens and it makes sense after two sure. two movies that it clearly did not make any sense yeah um they're doing stepping stones they're figuring out the way to uh to get to that molded universe and right sometimes it cracks a little bit and they keep going yeah and they figure it out and so yeah this is it's a- kind of it is kind of interesting going back to these original movies and seeing them test the waters on what works and doesn't. It's kind of like watching the first season of a television show. Yeah. And in some respects. And by doing these into these movies separately, we kind of like, we take them as their own separate entity. But this is a huge experiment that nobody had ever really done before on this scale. Right. I mean, there had been movies right. that connected to each other and like reference each other at times. And mostly in a wink, wink, nudge kind of, nudge kind of way. But this uh-huh. is the first time where this has been all stuck together so there are yeah there's definitely gonna be times where they stumble and not and not one person behind the the wheel right this is the first time that it's these established characters in our pop culture and many people are trying to work on it at once and together they make a, a machine that um for the most part functions okay yeah i have my quibbles obviously um that's why we're here doing this podcast pretty much hint hint nudge nudge <laughs> yes we'll get um, we'll fight later yeah we'll fight we'll fight later but i in general yeah i like i like this experiment um of what they're doing so and it's interesting to see uh see that still play out uh going back to these older movies so uh anything else nope uh we'll get into okay. your uh good with an asterisk of bad and then i can probably quibble in and just be like you know yes because i'll that's s- somewhat stick up for this movie yeah i that's exactly where i'm going with this so i'm gonna do my good that has the but like literally each of my goods uh follow up with a but <laughs> dot, dot, dot. so uh some of the designs of this movie are very cool and very um, interesting, uh, such as the Frost Giant's makeup job yep. and some of that stuff. But I can't see anything for, like, the first third of this movie. It is so dark. 
it is, yeah, weirdly dark for how brightly all the colors are. Um, and everything is gold. I don't know why, but, like, the buildings <sighs> are gold, all the costumes are gold, but it's, like, dimly lit gold. So it's just, yeah. it's a very odd, I don't know if it was because, you know, CGI expenses, um, for the most part, trying to light things up in bright daylight yeah. with CGI is expensive, so I'm guessing that was probably part of it. It was like, hey, if we tone, I, tone down the I brightness. Know, like, I think part of the thing that uh, some producers, some uh, movie makers do is to hide whatever uh, cracks in the CGI design or um, in the animation in general by putting it in a darker environment. I've noticed that with, uh, uh, I think Super 8 did it the best. Um, the big creature in that movie is mostly in a cave the whole time and we can you know barely see him, but we see enough of that creature to get a, an idea and appreciate it still. Yeah. But if we just saw it in broad daylight, it just wouldn't have looked as good. And so I, totally... I thought that when I watched that movie, I thought it was a smart move, but watching this one, it's just like the, the area where the frost giants live. What's, what's that realm called? Oh, I, I don't remember. It's the ice planet. What's called the ice planet. The, yeah. The ice, pla yeah, their planet, they got retconned into planets anyways. So yeah. the ice planet is just so dark. I can't see like hardly anything. And I, I, um, watched this off of my computer and like uh, turned up the brightness all the way and just the contrast is so harsh on those moments you can't you can barely see anything with with the ice giants and for the most part they didn't even look like i i bet they were mostly cg but like the main frost giant bad guy uh looked very clearly not cg to me he looked like a makeup job yeah. and i wanted to see it i wanted to see it i thought it looked really great uh but i couldn't see it all the way through and like the weird thing is you can't do the excuse of uh, the CGI looks bad and we shot it all in the dark to avoid that. When the climax of the movie, or like the first half of the climax I should say, uh, is in the middle of broad daylight down that like street in New Mexico and we have a destroyer who looks, you know, pretty decent. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I won't try and like give that as an excuse of like well that's probably why just if i had to be like if i do a betting man i probably thought well all the new mexico scenes have been super brightly lit which why does it take place in new mexico such an odd place but uh so those yeah. those moments are all brightly lit so i'm guessing that one had to be like well it'd be weird if it suddenly got dark with that scene but in asgard where we haven't seen anything at all they could probably be like uh -huh. well we can cut corners it's a bad corner to cut because you're right. All these yeah. scenes are too dark for the bright color palette that they have, which should be way more interesting. And it's just, there's bright color that should be there, but it's all really dimly lit for no reason at all. I liked that guy's makeup job and I wish I got to see it. Uh, music when Thor uh, couldn't pick up the hammer was great. Mm -hmm. But every other piece of music I could think of in this movie was a mediocre at best. I don't remember anything. And it just seemed really like, I don't know, not really excited to be there. I, I don't know how to describe it. It just was like, uh, especially when the warrior threes show up. And I think I picked this scene specifically, uh, because I saw a video essay that was talking about the MCU music. I don't know for sure you, if you, it was. Yeah. You, you, I, that every frame of painting one. Yep. I, yeah, I don't know for sure if it was that one or uh, another one, because there was a bunch of rebuttals for that video. Nope, it was that one. Um, 
Okay, so that one was showing off the Warrior 3 scene where they showed up for the first time, and you should be excited. This is Thor being like, oh, hey, my buddies are here. And that should be, like, really ecstatic, really excited, but it's just really this downplayed kind of, I don't know, stupid song. It just didn't fit. Yeah, it's, the score in these it, movies is never the best. Um, I think, especially no, nowadays, but, you should be able to get better people. And, like, I think Thor in general should have, like, not that every single superhero new movie needs to be like a Superman, like a Superman theme where it's a triumphant like march tone. But God, Thor uh-huh. needs something that's like big bravado moment. And like, yeah, we don't. All these characters need themes. Yeah. These are these are our cornerstones for our pop culture yeah. now. Where is the theme song that gets stuck in everybody's head every day? Or just like where something that that's go? more interesting than just like background filler. And yeah, the most of the score in this is just background filler. And you're right, it it doesn't really show up. It's it's like it got the invitation yeah. to show up here and then, like, threw in, like, maybe, like, an hour's worth of work and then just walked away, and that's all it did. And they're just left with, like, this weak, limp score, and they had to try to put it into the scenes. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's but I thought, weak. I thought that scene of him picking up the hammer was almost heartbreaking because of that score. Like, that part was really good. Yeah, that was, I don't know why that one stood out to me. That was the hour they put in. <laughs> that was about it. <laughs> Well, I got three measures of music done. Here you go. Yeah, here's this. But what about the rest of the movie? <laughs> bye bye, suckers. You, you you could do uh you could use use a bunch of temp music. Yep. Um. So I guess my third one on here is fight with destroyer was well done, but dot dot dot. So I don't remember what that one was. Maybe it was in the reaction with the rest of the CGI. Like that was the only bit of CGI in this movie I thought looked okay. The first. Uh, introduction we get to Asgard, like that first big establishing shot, looked pretty great. But like almost everything else in this movie did not look very good CGI wise. I'll add an uh, extra butt into your one that if you didn't know it. Um, so yes, the destroyer scene was pretty solid, but most of the fight scenes suffer from this really bad problem that was relevant around the time of the quick cut. So essentially, the idea is when yeah. an action scene happens, you don't. Ha- you cut into another like little bit of framing, whether it's to a different character or a different perspective of that fight. And the idea is if you quick cut enough times in a scene that happens, it will look chaotic and crazy. In reality, it just comes into a jarble mess. <laughs> and every, every movie copied this after they saw The Born Identity, because that features it, but it features it well. But so many mm. people are like, it's, it's a good, it's a way to shortcut if you don't know how to do a fight scene or you don't want to pay a good choreographer or you don't feel like you're confident enough to do it that's a good way to uh-huh. cut into doing an action scene and making it look crazy and exciting and more action than it happens but nobody can follow anything that happens the first scene with the ice giants was so bad like i had no idea what was going on at all there was so so do we just want to get right into the bad then yeah we can go into the bad because if you if you got technical with your quick cuts i want to get technical and just tell you right now that the camera and editing in this movie is fucking god awful. It is terrible. It is terrible. The amount of Dutch Especially angles... in the first uh, the spur- first 20 minutes. So, yes, the, the use of Dutch angles in this movie. So anybody that doesn't know, uh, sometimes a Dutch angle is also called a, 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 a candid angle. Um, and basically it's when the camera is tilted on its side a little bit uh, to look like the scene is off uh kiltered or or uh uh it looks like uh, something's off balance uh type of thing uh, uh the dutch 
the Dutch tilt historically has been associated with comic books for a long time. And do you know why the Dutch tilt is associated with comic books? The old Mr. Adam West Batman show. That is correct. And they used it sparingly on the villains. They Anytime they show the villains, they would do a Dutch tilt to make sure you knew that they were, you know, unbalanced, unkiltered, something was off about them. Yeah, and, and it was used to great effect because that worked really well. And the Dutch angle but, isn't a bad angle. Yeah, you're right. If it's like, even in like dramatic movies and like big, fancy, like, you know, artiste, like Oscar Wayne movies, the Dutch angle is pretty solid. Like if you want to like show that something's off and you just tilt the mm-hmm. camera a little bit, it's great. I, I love Dutch tilts. Dutch tilts are my favorite. You'll probably find a Dutch tilt in every one of my movies somewhere uh, in there. However, I don't love it enough to use every third shot as a Dutch tilt. Why does every time we see the Warrior 3, is it in a Dutch tilt? I, I think the How tripod come? of this camera was literally tilted to the side, so that like when he wanted a normal <laughs> shot, they had to like shoot it, like they had to like move the camera so it was level. And then they just gotta let it flop back to its side whenever they were done with it. It's like, oh, we did our like straightforward shot. Go back to the Dutch angle. We'll just let the camera let, let the camera fall at whatever the angle the camera falls at. Let's just keep that. It and and okay. So oh my gosh, one that's really funny. Two, the Dutch <laughs> tilt was used in Iron Man to a great effect in the scene where. Um, Jeff Bridges, uh, uh, I already forgot his name, Obadiah Stane, uh, where he has Tony Stark in his hand and is almost killing him right then and there. Again, perfect. perfect yeah. Perfect. perfect use. It's just one angle, and that was all we needed to know that everything was off with Tony, and he's about to die. Yep. And it was such a powerful moment. That's always one of my favorite moments of that movie. And this movie's just like, oh, he did one of those. Well, let's do 80,000. I think Kenneth Branagh that's, was that's like... That's my Kenneth Branagh. Oh, we need to do a comic book movie. Let's do Dutch angles all over the place because that's what comic yeah, book movies need, thinks... which is not the case at all. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so, on top of that, so, Kenneth Branagh uh, and the only other movie... Um, I'm not going to say that. No, the I've seen... A, uh, not quite a few, but I've seen a couple... Of Kenneth Branagh movies. The one that sticks out to me uh, was Hamlet. And I was watching Hamlet and just the editing of that movie just wouldn't stop. They would not stop cutting to anything uh, for the first like half hour of that four hour movie. Um, by the way, uh, for all records straight, I've only seen the first half of that movie. Uh, I have good reasons why I've only seen the first half <laughs> of that movie. One of which is that I went and bought it at a... Um, a garage sale one time and they only had the first like it's always split up into two vhs copies or two discs they only had the first one well, then why would so you that's buy it? one reason then why did you buy it I, I didn't know i didn't know it was split up into two different <laughs> ones when i bought it i had no idea it was four hours and then uh on top of that my teacher in uh college this will probably just automatically make me lose my uh a theater degree when I mentioned this. Uh, my my introduction to theater class, uh, she was showing Hamlet, and she, you know, just wasn't there, showing off the Kenneth Branagh version of Hamlet. And she just wasn't there. She was hanging out in her office while we were watching a movie, you know, one of those movie days. And we only got to the second part, 
But somebody went over to her and was just like, oh, hey, it's done. And she's like, oh, okay. And then just, you know, didn't show us the rest of the movie after that. <laughs> what a lazy teacher. Like, no, no, no. We're just done. We're going to watch half the movie so, and that's it. Somebody mentioned it to her. They're like, are you sure it's done? Like, there's a to be continued. And she's like, oh, yeah, it's over. And we're like, what? <laughs> Does she not know what so I have never, So I have never finished the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet movie. Uh, those are the only two reasons. Uh, eventually I'll find it on DVD and properly watch it. But the point I wanted to make is that that movie's exposition also j- is really frantic with its editing. It's just going all over the place. And this movie did the same exact thing. So apparently it's a Kenneth Branagh style. Except it's not because the other one that I saw was uh much ado about nothing and that one like was perfectly paced it was a perfectly paced movie so i don't know if he thinks that quick edits is what keeps people's attention like when it's too fast you can't retain any of the information and to me the camera and editing for this beginning of this movie goes hand in hand yeah the dutch tilts are bad but you know what else is bad just constantly moving the camera to looking at all these different sorts of things. The camera at the beginning of this movie just does not stop, especially when it's showing off some kind of uh, CG uh, creation or environment. Uh, the Specifically, the shot that I always think of is um, during the ceremony, they like go down below underneath so you can see where uh, the location is. Yeah. And, like, yeah, you can see where it is in relation to wherever everything else is going on. But it's just, like, juxtapose that with everything else. It's just too quick. It's just too much. You could be subtle with that information. You can be better about that. And, in fact, how it bends type and space in this movie really confused me. I wouldn't say confused me. I just thought it was bad the first time I watched it. Um, so, we're at the ceremony. And... Odin's doing this grand speech for Thor and all of a sudden these frost giants come and steal or attempt to steal this item and Odin just knows and I suppose Odin knows because he's you know the head god of Norse mythology but it was still very like why would this have any like tension going on with the actual ceremony when when he just knows and then the next cut is that they're just downstairs in the basement, or not basement, but um, in this weaponry area, and they're just already handling the situation, and it's, like, really confusing me. It's like, stop, stop, wait a minute. Did you stop the ceremony? Are people still up there waiting for things to happen? How come Thor and Loki are the only two people to follow you? What about the guards? What about the Warriors 3? What about all this stuff? And they just it just goes. It just won't stop. The editing... And the camera movement uh, juxtaposed with that really weird, you know, bending of space and time of how Odin just knows that there's people down in the weaponry area. It it just keeps continuing forever, just like this rant, which I will end now. Yeah, it it has a problem with that. And it also has a this movie has a problem where it's not really one movie. It's two separate movies that cannot reconcile with themselves. There's the lofty epic Asgard moments where we get yep. hard into the space Vikings and all that stuff, and it's treated very seriously. Like, there's there's, there's <clears throat> jokes, but it's never a jokey plot. Um, and then mm-hmm. we have Thor and New, all the New Mexico stuff, which is, and Thor gets, when Thor gets there too, is pretty much all entirely a comedy bit. Like, 
It's, yeah. it's all set up like this big fish out of water and like everything's jokey. All the characters are joking all the time. And this movie's trying to flip and forth, back and forth between the two with those quick cuts and it just doesn't work. Uh, it's I, jarring. Yeah, it's jarring because of the editing's bad. It's jarring because these two plots are so separate. It's jarring because, like, yeah, like you said with the lighting, too, New Mexico scenes are all super brightly lit, but all the, mm-hmm. like, Asgard stuff are super dark. So we get this quick edit that's really with, like, super bright and super dark sections with one that's, you know, an epic space adventure, space fantasy adventure with not much humor to a goofball fish out of water section with all humor and not as much substance. And it just, all that stuff combined makes it feel awkward. It's, yeah. it's an odd duality that this movie doesn't reconcile. Neither of those parts are particularly bad, either. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go with, like, oh, they should never have done the fishball comedy, like, fish-out-of-water comedy. It's like, oh, they should have never done the space thing. You could do both, and they're both legitimate parts that should have been in this movie, but those should have been molded together way better than they are, and they're not, and it's very frustrating. You want to know where I place the blame on that one? Who do you place the blame on? Yeah, it's definitely the studio. It seems to me they're doing a lot of setup for uh, the Avengers in this one as well, you know, as it will do with, you know, all the ones that were leaning up uh, to the Avengers. And because of that, this movie couldn't decide what it wanted to be because there were some certain mandates. You have, you can't just have the movie solely on Thor in New Mexico because we need to see Loki... And his transition to evil going on, you know, um, going on so he can be set up for as the main bad guy in Avengers. Mm-hmm. But you can't set the whole thing in Asgard because we need to establish Thor's relationship with the human world, with Midgard, and um, connect it with the rest of, of this Marvel universe that we're doing right here. So you have to f- somehow find a way... To juxtapose those two things and make a story out of it. And I think the movie undermines itself by not going forward on just one of those ideas. Right. And it it needed to... I can see why it needed to do both of those things. Like, yeah, you can't have an all-space adventure, Asgard adventure, because then, yeah, how does Thor come to Earth? But then you can't have an all-Earth... Like, Thor on Earth adventure, because then you're taking a huge segment of what makes him interesting, which is he, like fights weird monsters and bad guys and like space and all that mm-hmm. other stuff so yeah it's, yeah i don't it, it was i i i don't want to say it's a necessary evil because i feel like there are been movies that have been able to juxtapose two radically different subplots together and make it seem like one coherent whole a lot better than this yeah that's not yeah definitely not gonna give them like say that just because they it didn't work out doesn't mean like they were trying but yeah this just doesn't work and it could have worked i think it just there was just something missing that could have made it work again neither of those ideas are bad and you could gel them together but this movie just doesn't gel them together well you know how i would rewrite it all how so i have one of two ways so the second way which i think is going to be more of what the studio would want in order for the avengers to happen but the second way of how I'd rewrite this movie is that Thor and Loki are equal parts of dual protagonist and antagonists. And the movie uh, uh, cuts in half between both of their points of views from Thor's adventures in Midgard and Loki uh, dealing with with the thing that he's doing. 
uh, dealing with um, uh, finding out that he's half Frost Giant. Uh, and in some ways, that's what the movie is doing, but I think it's confused about its point of view and tone with that. So, for instance, we have the Midgard section, and that isn't necessarily in Thor's point of view. Because if it was in Thor's point of view, then he'd be looking at this new world and trying to see, or, uh, and noticing how different it is from his world, and it would uh, make the real world or... or um, earth uh seem radically strange and we would see that from his point of view much like um in wonder woman how we are constantly in diana's point of view and she's looking at how man's culture works radically different from hers and she you know it is experiencing all of this for the first time and sees it strange we don't see that in this particular movie we see thor almost through jane's eyes yeah absolutely through her eyes and um and but even that's not the case because uh what i would say about that if we're seeing this through jane's eyes then we need to see how strange thor is and how he's reacting to the world but that's completely undermined and doesn't work because we've already spent 30 minutes with him in asgard we know exactly what his deal is and what's going on yeah I, I think it's would work better if they didn't either hadn't had the scene of the introduction where he he gets hit by the car um, and then with all the New Mexico stuff and then going into Asgard. I think if you had either put all the New Mexico stuff early when he shows up, he's acting really weird. Uh-huh. He's asking for a horse. Is he really Thor or not? And then we cut into the Asgard stuff or just do all the Asgard stuff first and then come into that. But yeah, it's yeah, it's that part's from nobody's point of view and it doesn't work right at all. Exactly. So. Uh, you want to know what my first uh, way I would rewrite the movie and make it... Uh, the, this is the way I'd find it that'd be way more interesting. How? It was exactly what you just said. I would base this movie entirely in Jane's point of view, and we don't know if Thor's actually Thor and all that stuff. Yep, that would have been more interesting. I think, I think that would have made a really interesting movie, and it could still work in a sense of uh, seeing this movie in a comedic tone that you know these movies like to do and then also i just do an interesting uh superhero movie that nobody's seen before yeah like this movie tries to have its cake and eat its too and it just doesn't work i i i wonder if the first draft of this movie was exactly that i wouldn't be surprised if it was something different um than what we yeah. got because yeah it, like it said earlier it feels like two separate movies that are fighting each other so i don't know if they went um hard on the epic at first like the epic space up at first and then went oh no we had to have some connective tissue to earth or if they started yeah. out with this big fish out of water comedy then and that then turns into oh wait it's actually really epic i i think i would have enjoyed that more it would have made more sense into how yeah. all this fits together I, starting I out with this if, huh, it's kind of the third tricky. act Oh, go on. Yeah, it starts out like, ha, huh, kind of jokey, and then it turns into this big epic thing, which would have made Thor, yes. like, when Thor gets the hammer, like, you know, that gets hit by the destroyer and then actually shows up with a hammer, that would have been so much more satisfied if we didn't oh know. Oh, my gosh. Like, we, we as the audience yes. kind of know that he's going to turn to Thor, just like we know that he's not actually going to die in the movie, but the rest of the characters don't, and, like, when the rest of the characters don't know something, that even if you know they do, a good movie will help you in the, be in their shoes and also kind of like not know question things along with them and I think yeah if you had done that where you didn't know if he was real or not 
and then, like, you know, Destroyer smacks him, he almost dies, and then he turns out he's worthy, and the hammer comes to him, and he just, like, turns into this, like, big, bulky, like, you know, ripped dude with, like, a red cape and a hammer and, like, shiny armor. That would have been so much more fun than what we got, yes. which was, we already know that he's Thor, and so a lot yes. of suspense is taken out, and we know that by sacrificing stuff, he's clearly going to be worthy, so he's not going to die. Yeah. So, that's... That's how I would rewrite it. Um, I, I don't know. Like, in some ways, I feel like if you do that, you also miss out on... <clears throat> excuse me. If you do that, you also miss out on Thor's character arc. Yeah. And I feel like he has a very strong one in this. That's so, true. So, like, if it's total, entirely in Jane's point of view... Like, no, even that works. Like, Great Gatsby is really about Jay Gadsby, even though the whole book is in Nick Calloway's point of view. Yep. You could make that work. I think you can. So you would lose out a little bit on the epicness of all that stuff because you'd be probably in New Mexico more than you would be in Asgard. But as much as I love doing the weird stuff, I would rather have this structured better and even just show some weird than we got lots of weird here, but it just doesn't really work with the rest of the movie. Sure. So that that's how i do it um i also think having thor and loki be of equalness um would also have been really interesting yeah uh, and that way we could have a very similar movie uh to this in like uh tone and and all that stuff but it'd just be organized slightly differently so yeah and loki i i love that character and i like i said earlier he was given <clears throat> sorry a three-dimensional, like, role and all that stuff. But at the same time, mm-hmm. this movie doesn't utilize him like it should. This movie should really yeah. almost be... All the Asgard stuff should be focused on the relationship between Odin, which is Loki and Thor's father, Loki and Thor. That's what that that central conflict between those three, how the, each of them, you know, because they're related, they all love each other, but they all have their own misgivings and problems with each other. You know, yep. Odin thinks Thor is obnoxious, but at the same, and he loves Loki too, but he's kind of, he both kind of sees, like, the problems in both of them, I think, and then, but, like, mm-hmm. also, Loki's kind of, like, a little bit of a political tool to him. He's still his right. son, and in the end, he truly loves him, but at the same time, you have that little bit of, like, tension of, like, he's not your actual son, which is no excuse for treating him, like like garbage like loki got treated and then you have loki Mm -hmm. who has a problem with thor because thor clearly doesn't deserve any sort of kingship but he got it because he was first born even though he's a dumb child um and then he also has a problem with the father for reasons i stated like his father pretty much has like always treated him aside and now he figures out he's adopted he's an adopted Mm -hmm. child of their biggest enemy ever and nobody told him about that. And when he figures out his, like, Odin, his dad's essentially like, oh, yeah, I kind of took pity on you, so I kept you, but I didn't want to tell you because, like, you know, those people are bad. And you're kind of a political tool for me. Like, I was going to use you to help, like, bridge some, like, alliance. I didn't pick you up because I loved yeah. you. Like, that, that's got to be so disarming of I'm adopted, but really I was like, I wasn't a, I, I'm adopted. He has to figure that out. And nobody told him, even though he's how many years old. Like, even if we go by looks where he's like, looks like he's in his twenties or thirties, that's an odd time to figure out you're adopted. And then to figure out Correct. that you're the adopted child, someone else. And then Thor's just a jerk to both of them. So 
his problems are with that. So that's what that movie clearly should focus on. The battle, the like, the relationship between those three, and it kind of yes. does that. There's hints of it, and it's good when it does, but it kind of gets sidetracked a lot from that conflict. Like you can tell that's what the filmmakers thought the conflict was, but at the same time, mm-hmm. they kind of like go off and do other stuff instead. And I wish the movie had focused on that a lot more. But why can we focus on that when we have Natalie Portman? And Cat Denning. Uh, why is Cat Denning's in this movie? Like, I don't... You I... know, watching this movie again, the sad thing is, I think Cat Denning uh, is the real winner of all the female characters in this. Um, I... Oh, man. She I didn't want to get into this do anything. She doesn't do anything, but she's the most well-defined and less awkward to watch. Like, I love the idea of Sif, but, like... Nothing happens After watching... Nothing happens with her, but after watching Jurassic World with Ethan, and Ethan's just, like, you know, hating on uh, Bryce Dallas Howard because she's the stereotypical, like, stern, no-sex, mature one versus Chris Pratt, who's the immature, like, quirky, like, oh, yeah, you need to loosen up, girl. Uh, The same thing happens in this. Like, it's it's the same exact thing where Sif is just looking at Thor and just like, oh, please... Uh, do you remember that line? Yeah. I, I it's just I thought that was awkward. Not as awkward as anything that Natalie Portman does in this movie. Nope. It just something about it felt off. It didn't feel right. And yeah. I wonder if she signed on this is purely a fantasy in my head, but they wrote a movie that was purely from Jane's point of view and she signed on off of that script and then they changed her into more of a ditzy person. And she just couldn't figure out how to make that work in this movie. That's that's my fantasy fan theory of yeah. how that happened. How that Cassian happened and how we get such an awkward performance out of that. And Natalie Portman's not, like, a bad character in this movie. Like, she's given stuff to do. There's a reason that she's there. Yeah. And like, um, But, Absolutely. yeah, there's some odd moments there, like... Then when Thor turns into, like, you know, when, like, you know, Thor, like, because he was in, like, regular scrubs or whatever, and then gets turned into the actual Thor, her, oh, my, God, moment was just the worst thing. Like, you could tell, like, in the script, it literally, you could literally tell in the script they were, oh, period, my, period, God, period, like, as a teenage girl, I was like, really? That just cut all the, like excitement out of the scene it could she could just been like looked stunned and said nothing and it would have like you don't need words to define that moment so that would have been so much better but instead we got a what probably was like a text lol message out of her i was like oh well okay i guess yeah she's weirdly ditzy which is not a problem characters can be ditzy and still be strong and like you know important characters but at the same time eh, it just doesn't really work here I think the last thing I want to say is that I think a lot of this story started in the wrong place and they gave a lot of exposition to things that ultimately didn't matter. Yep. Um, or things that ultimately um, needed more explanation but but didn't quite do it. I think this movie kind of wanted you to assume that everything you know about Norse mythology will work here. But at the same time, if you're doing that, then why did we have so much exposition about the Frost Giants and Asgard? Well, I mean, I, the like, average that's... person doesn't know anything about North Thor's mythology. I didn't really but... know anything before this about that. Like, I just knew Thor and Odin existed, 
and I had some inkling about that stuff, but uh-huh. I didn't know much well, about it. Well, here's, here's the problem, though. Odin does his Odin sleep, and each time I watch this movie, I get very confused about that. No. I don't know what that means. I don't know why he does that. And apparently, the movie hints at the fact that he does it often, or uh, semi-regularly, and there's no exposition or big um, flashback explaining that whole thing. Yeah, it's and very... like that's a that's a thing that is very awkward to watch, especially the first time. I thought this movie was just garbage the first time I watched this because of that. Just really random, like, I'm gonna go to sleep type thing. And I get what they're doing now that's trying... Like we've talked about, it's this big epic of of a myth, myths and legends. And sometimes things happen that are, are illogical because they're these grand uh, characters. But, like, when I was watching that, it's just like, that was the dumbest thing it's, of... It's very awkwardly done, too. And, yeah, yeah. there's no explanation. And so what happens is um, it's when Loki's finally confronting Odin, his father, about being adopted. And we get that yes. you know, really sad conversation. You could see the sadness. And even though we kind of know Loki's up to something, it's still very sad to watch this happen where he turns out he learns he was adopted by, like, essentially their biggest enemies. And that he was kind of right. a political tool. And, his, and Odin keeps trying to tell him, I love you. You're my son. None of this, like, whatever purposes I originally had for doing this are wrong. But Loki, you know in anger justifiably keeps accosting about it and so anthony hopkins just has this like kind of moment where he just kind of like like kind of weakly pretends he has a heart attack and just like kind of like just like awkwardly falls to the floor like uh and then like and then loki of course is like oh no he's in the hospital so it's essentially kind of like he's in a coma i think is what they're trying to go for and that he's trying to heal himself after having like this heart attack from his his son doing that yeah, it just doesn't make any sense of like, oh, it's the Odin sleep. But it's given like this extra for like potential instead of what it really should be, which is just he's he's older and you and like you just like put this extra strain on him that he's like you know I mean they don't try and make the character look young. He's he's older. They make Anthony uh-huh. Hopkins look older in this specifically to look older. So it's like he could have just been like you know by an emergency room or like you know like the equivalent of Asgardian emergency room or something like that where he's just too much stress all this happening he had just had to banish his son he's about to be in a war with all these people um somehow like people like snuck into his like house essentially and tried to steal a advanced weaponry from him and now he figures out one of his sons is like accosting him about him being adopted like he's had a lot of strain just make that the reason but then yeah they try and tie mm-hmm. it in with this odin sleep mythology thing and it's just awkward Especially the him like pretending he has a heart attack, like it's just such a weird moment. You're like, that's. I really don't. I really don't know if it's actually part of actual Norse mythology either. I just kind of assumed that the movie thinks you already know that or something because it gives no explanation. Yeah, it so, just exists, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. If and it I think that was either. such a weird thing to explain. So yeah, it explains so you much know, else, but it doesn't explain more that. details. More details about how I would have rewritten this movie. The, if we went with my second approach, which was to give Thor and Loki kind of the equal uh, screen time and have them be dual uh, protagonists and antagonists with their own sets of stories, I would uh, go, like, full on with showing the boys grow up. Like, um, how they do it for, um, you know, Wonder Woman, Superman, 
uh, Batman Begins even to an extent. I would just go with you um, showing them growing up and like seeing their trepidations and stuff like that. And maybe Thor, or not Thor, but Odin would uh, tell stories or speak of the ice giants in a way that they're mythical and whatever. And we just don't show off that weird um, CGI uh, schlockfest of, of the story that is, um, you know, kind of the common knowledge thing. And then maybe set up somewhere in there uh, Odin's uh, sleep thing. And maybe like while they were growing up, it happened a couple times or something like that. And um, I don't know. You could also like plant more seeds in there. You can show off the Warrior 3 as children. You can show off um, a bunch of other things that would help, I don't know, ground uh, their relationship and and their world a little more. Um, and then so once Thor gets banished into Midgard, we have a full understanding of, of who he is and, and uh, a better concept of what uh, Asgard is. Yeah, I really like that idea. Um, we get one scene where they're kind of younger and like growing up. Right. But yeah, it, now that you say that, it's like I really would have loved to have it doesn't have to be the whole movie or even most no. of the movie, even just like no. t- five, ten or ten, minutes, yeah, five, ten minutes. Yeah. five or ten minutes at most of just getting to establish this instead of just five Instead seconds. of that big, huge, grand, epic fight war thing, you know? Yeah, like it would have been cheaper. It would have been, you wouldn't, you, you got plenty of action scenes in the movie anyway, so you didn't need like, it's not like there was, you're not fulfilling the quota by not having an action scene, you know, by cutting right. that action scene. We've gotten like exactly because we had learned so much from that like like one or two minute scene about the two boys being when they're younger, and then mm-hmm. and we just kind of like jump forward too fast and like I would have yeah I would have rather you know as part of that like that movie should have been focusing on the relation between Odin Thor and Loki that would have helped yes. us a lot in that yeah I think so too so I think that's enough of that we're already past the hour mark on the recording. Uh, you ready to rate this bad boy? Absolutely. All right. What do you give Thor? Semicolon, the first movie that does not have a subtitle. <laughs> Lore, the first movie. Um, that one with Thor in it before there was other Thor movies. Uh, <laughs> 3.25. I can't. Oh, wow. It's not as good as Iron Man. Uh, right. But I still enjoy this movie. And it was weird watching this because I was expecting either to really love it like I loved it when I first watched it or to hate it like everybody else seems to hate this movie and I got neither I I was just right. it was it was an it was an average movie so 3.25 sounds about right um I still okay. enjoyed it and it's not better than average but it's it's better than what like it, it could have been so much worse so but then again yeah. it doesn't hit the high marks of uh, Iron Man or some of the other movies. It's still better than the last two we've done by far. Uh, I actually give this a two point seven five out of five. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, I I didn't. I thought two point five was a little low actually, and um, I was surprisingly won over by the characters of Thor and Loki more so than I've ever been. And it's to the point where I never understood Loki as a bad guy or, like, why people liked him so much um, until this viewing. Like, when I actually kind of paid attention and focused on on that uh, performance and on, on his motivations, I was like, okay, I, I get it now. I, I like him. I still think he's underutilized 
Um, and I feel like this movie kind of underutilized a lot of ideas uh, and never really going too full out. Almost as if they're burying the lead to the Avengers. And I think that was just a bad way uh, to be making these movies. So I can't say that I like it. Um, uh, which is why it barely is still in the two range. Like, it, it's not bad. And I don't totally hate it like I used to when... I think the second time I watched this movie... I, the second time I watched this movie was in college. And I just couldn't stand how it was paced at the beginning. I just could not let that go. Uh, this time, I knew what I was getting into. So I let it go. And I, you know, watched it for the characters. And I wish they went uh, full on for a lot of things. Uh, I wish we got to mo know some of the side characters more. But for the most part, um, I almost like this movie. Yeah. Uh, to me, it, it, it fails on, like, like big aspects that it shouldn't fail on. But when it hits the mark, it hits the mark really well. And you can tell yeah. there's a lot of good craft in this movie. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, at least passion. Yeah. Like, it, this is not a, a mediocre movie because they're going to, like, because they just want to throw in the towel. Um, or that it's, like, incompetently made. It's neither of those things. It tries, and it doesn't always succeed. But when it does, I really enjoy it. Um, yes. I don't think it tries to take the risks that Iron Man 2 took, so that's a little bit of a bummer to me, but at the same time, Thor, the character already was enough of a big risk, and they went hard mm -hmm. into the epic space yes. Vikings adventure of it, which is a big enough risk for me to appreciate it. As always, I don't want to be convincing people that they should hate these movies or anything like that, and I personally don't even like want to like review and hate on movies that I don't like. Because I respect so much uh, a lot of the artists' passion and stuff like this. And this isn't a movie where people didn't... Where it doesn't feel like people didn't want to make it. They clearly wanted to make it. It wasn't quite my cup of tea. I think they had some missteps, uh, technically, that they shouldn't have done. Uh, but regardless, they did it. They did it unapologetically. So I can't do anything except appreciate and respect uh, their trying, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, I... And I'll get into this later, too, where there will be movies in this series that I definitely really don't like. And there will be series that I, in this, movies in the series that I love almost too much. This is just being, for all the critical stuff I've said, that's just people who are trying their best to make a good movie. Mm -hmm. These people are not bad people. They're not incompetent idiots. That's not the case. Yeah. And when it's good movies, it's not like, you know, that there's like, these movies need to be put on a, like, a, a pedestal or thrown to the ground because they're just this good or this bad. It's their movies and we can enjoy them or disenjoy them. Totally fine. And I, and the only reason I say is because some of these movies will get such praise and such hate often within like the span of a week. Uh, it'll be really good. And then everyone will turn on these movies, which is just too bad yeah. because it's none of these movies are worth getting truly upset or hating somebody over no matter how bad I the don't movie know. Is. I don't know. There's at least two movies that when we get to them, I'm pretty sure I'm going to still be very angry about it. That's fair. And there's one of these movies that I, unless it's changed within the years, I vehemently hate. Uh, until we get to those movies, we're going to sign off right now. I've been Kirk Peterson. And I'm still Alex Potabob. Uh, next time, we will be doing The Avengers. No, it's Captain See America First Avenger. No, no, no. Oh. It's Captain America First Avenger. And oh my god, oh. that movie's so awesome. 
Well, we won't skip any. I guess not. No, we're not skipping Captain America. Don't you dare. <laughs> Don't you dare skip Captain America. That's one of my favorites. We will see you next time on Pots vs. Pete. Marvelous Moron. Excelsior. This has been Potts vs. Pete. The music was made by the invincible Aquila Galusha, while this episode was edited by the astonishing Will Dodds. You've been listening to the amazing Alex Potterbaum and the uncanny Kirk Peterson. Thank you, True Believer, for listening. 